mindfulness mode. Miracles happen when you say that. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode, and today we're going to be talking about the Camino Santiago. And we're going to be talking about a woman, talking to a woman who went on this journey. This pilgrimage was something that replaced the long planned journeys that she and her late husband were going to make together in their retirement. But that didn't happen, so she went on this journey on the Camino. So we'll be talking all about this. I'm here today with my guest, Kathleen Donnelly Israel. Kathleen, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, Absolutely. Mindfulness mode. Yes. That's great. (laughs) What does mindfulness mean to you, Kathleen? Uh, Just uh, being being awake and aware of, you know, where you're at, breathing, um, you know, to I mean, every once in a while I get maybe anxious or something and then I'm like, okay, you're not breathing. And so the mindfulness brings me back and then I, then I don't have my anxiety anymore. (laughs) Well, you decided to start your journey in France. So tell me Mm -hmm. about that, about heading to France. What were you feeling at the time? What were you thinking? Um, yeah, so I, um, well, I, I wanted to walk the Camino and I didn't want to have jet lag. So I flew into Paris and spent a week in Paris being a tourist. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just really totally open to any experiences that I might have. I, I just, um, I didn't know what was going to happen and I was up for it. <laughs> and did you practice, and, like, did you do a lot of walking before you went there to get used to the walking part of it? Or maybe you were already a walker. Yeah, I I love to walk, and I had been walking with my friend Severa um, on Mission Bay. Down, I'm living in San Diego. I was walking on Mission Bay for like um, we would walk five miles three days a week, or mm-hmm. two or three days a week. And I just thought, well, gee, walking that five miles didn't even make me sweat. Of course, it was flat, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was sure. right by the bay, <laughs> and. Um, and I thought, well, I can walk five miles before lunch and five miles after lunch, and I can do this. So um, then my sister-in-law said, Kathleen, you're going to have to walk up mountains. And so she found all the mountains in San Diego, and we walked up them. And after a while, I was taking my backpack with me, walking up the mountains. And so, yeah, there was a bit of preparation. But I, like I say, I, w- I was a walker. So when you got mm-hmm. there and you started walking... What was the biggest surprise? Uh, the I was um, one thing that was surprising to me was that I was really walking alone. I had heard there's people on the Camino, and uh, the only people that I saw were like passing me by because mm-hmm. I'm an old lady and I walk slow. I got a, a foot problem too, so that makes me walk even slower. So um, I just saw people passing me by all the time, and that was a little bit depressing. Yeah. (laughs) And um, but you know, um, after I got out on the Masita, where you can see a far, far um, behind you and far ahead of you, then I realized that there were people there. I was just on windy roads in on the mountains, and so I didn't see people. 
but when I got on the flat plane, I, I saw people in front of me and behind me. And it wasn't like, it made me feel good that everybody wasn't passing me up because there were some people behind me and they were still behind me at the end of the okay. day, you know? So that, that made me feel better. Sure. And did you end up meeting some people there? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, um, you know, you know, just different people like, um, the the first night uh, the first night I met some people but was basically didn't have much time to spend with people but the second night um, when I got in there um, we um, you're supposed to walk over the Pyrenees when you start from per, um, from Saint Jean Pied de Port but um, there was snow on the Pyrenees so they made us walk around so all the people that started when I started had to walk around the Pyrenees. And so uh, the first night we got into um, Val Carlos and, and I met those people and we started a WhatsApp. And so we followed each other the whole time. It was like we had a family on our computer, on our phone, uh, on a WhatsApp. And like, I met this guy and um, well, I came into the, the Albergue. That's where you stay in Albergues. They, there's a, big room with a bunch of bunk beds and maybe a kitchen and some bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, uh, this guy, when I walked in the door, he said, oh, I just met this guy, my new friend, and he's so sad and uh, that he can't do his life anymore. And I, so I went over and sat down by him and I said, oh, what, what happened? What's the matter? And he said that uh, three of his friends, very good friends had died independent of each other one at a time and he was so sad he felt like he couldn't do his life anymore and so I said well I know what you mean my husband died in August and my mother died in December and uh so we have something in common and he said yeah he said I'm so sorry for your loss he was like sorry for my loss you know kind of bringing each other out of ourselves and um sharing our pain um it was it was lovely and it's it happened that he lived in LA which is like 100 miles from my house right and um so that was that was um the first my first meeting with people that I really got to know oh that's really interesting mm -hmm. what month was this that you were walking in i started in april april 5th i started april 5th and um so there was snow, like I say, on the Pyrenees, and they didn't want to have to rescue anybody. Right. I think that, that movie, The Way, um, that's what happened to that guy who died in The Way, is that it was snowing and he fell. Oh. And so... Um, I haven't anyway. seen that movie. So the movie is all about the Camino, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I saw that a really long time ago. I saw it when it first came out. And... Mm -hmm. You know, I forgot all about the Camino, mm -hmm. and um, then, you know, when when I was caring for Ron, my girlfriend went on the Camino, and she shared it on Facebook, and I saw that, and I thought, you know what, when Ron's done with his disease, I'm going to walk the Camino too. So that was um, that was my plan. Right. Yeah. You had had that plan for a while. Tell us about Ron and how long he was sick and, and what was the matter with him and everything. Yeah, Ron, 
Ron had Parkinson's disease and he got it. I mean, he had it for years before we knew what it was, but when he was 51, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh, wow. And uh, they thought it was arthritis. They thought it was all kinds of stuff before that. And then he went to a physical therapist and his, the physical therapist is like, you know what, your muscles aren't doing the right thing here. We're sending you to a neurologist. And then that's how he was diagnosed with the Parkinson's disease. And how old and was he when he passed? He was 71. So for 20 years, he he had it knowing he had it, and then he had even had it before that. Yeah. Yeah, he had it. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's right. a long time. And, and you looked after him for much of that time, I take it. Yeah, he was totally disabled from 2010 to 2018. So that, you know, so I got into it, <laughs> you know, it. Before that, he could drive and he could do stuff. But um, when he in 2010, he started being in so much pain. He was just, you look at the guy, I mean, he wasn't a complainer, but you look at the guy and you can say, he's in pain. You know, just the kind of the eyes get kind of low. And mm -hmm. and um, anyway, um, so this doctor was a retired doctor. He came out to the house to look at negative ion clothes because I sell negative ion clothes. And um, when he saw Ron, he said, okay, well, I know I'm here. And he thought he could cure Ron. So yeah, he, he thought he could. Um, but then, um, so he took Ron, um, he asked, he, he told me he wanted to cure Ron. And I'm like, okay, well, Ron doesn't want to do anything I tell him to do. So you go talk to Ron if you want to cure Ron. So he talked him into it and he took all his meds away and and he, um, and then the next day, Ron woke up and he was in so much pain. He said, I need my meds. You don't understand. I just need my meds. And, and so I called the doctor and, um, and the doctor was actually walking up to the house. He was, he, he came every day Wow. and he, he came in and he gave Ron a coffee enema. And Ron wasn't in pain anymore after that, after that coffee enema. And um, so he had me, we, we gave him three coffee enemas a day and we were juicing all this stuff like apples, green apples and celery and carrots. And we were, you know, and he was eating charcoal. He was trying to get the meds out of him. And, uh, but after six months, he didn't get better. And so the doctor gave up. He actually said, I'm going on vacation. And then he never came back. Oh. And um, so, uh, so anyway, Ron was fine with being not in pain. He was paralyzed that whole time. Okay. He, you know, he just couldn't move, couldn't walk. And, uh, and um, so our kids are like, well, you can't leave him like that. And Ron was fine just not being in pain. Sure. Like, you know, I'll sit here and watch cowboy movies and NCIS, and he was good. And um, so we found out about this deep brain stimulator. And so um, they did the first side, and it was good, and he could move after that. Then they did the second side, and it was a failed surgery. And so he couldn't walk, and he couldn't talk after that. And so that was the rest of his life. He couldn't walk, and he couldn't talk. 
And so I got to take care of him. So. Mm. Well, tell us was, more about this negative Eon clothes. <laughs> I, I haven't heard of this before. Yeah. Um, well, when Ron got sick, um, anyway, this, I sell Mary Kay cosmetics. Okay. And there was a lady and she was looking for somebody that likes to sell stuff. Uh-huh. And so she went on the Mary Kay website and found me. And um, and then instead of buying Mary Kay from me, she wanted me to sell this negative ion clothes. And I was really angry with her uh, for doing that because I don't like to sell stuff. <laughs> right. I just want to have fun. That's why I joined Mary Kay to have fun. Okay. Um, so uh, anyway, I said, well, will it help my husband who has Parkinson's? And she said, yes. And so I was like, okay. So I, you know, we didn't have money, but I bought the whole thing on my credit card and I brought it home and he refused to wear it because oh. he, he didn't want me to be his healer. He wanted me to be his caregiver. Oh. And so I know it's weird. I asked him why. I asked him why. And he said, because you always have to be right. Oh. And I was just like. Okay, I think the problem is you have to always be right. But anyway, whatever. Uh-huh. And so um, so I honored my commitment to, you know, care for him, you know, till death do his part. Somebody's going to be caring for somebody, right? Right. And um, I was just le- I was just glad that I was the well one. Yeah. I could have been the one being cared for, but sure. I was the well one. So that was... That was better, I thought. You know, if you're going to do till death do us part, um, I prefer to be the caregiver right. than the one that it's ill. And so, did you ever have positive experiences then with the negative ion clothes? Like, did did they help you, or did they help anyone you knew? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I didn't even know what was going to happen, but I bought them for me too because. I just thought, well, I don't feel very good. You know, my fingers were swollen and my knees were swollen and I I just didn't feel like I had really good health. So I started wearing them and um, I got them on a Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And um, by Sunday, I mean, I hadn't been able to kneel in church for three years. And I teach breathing, too. So I'm supposed to get on the floor with my clients and kneel on the floor next to them. And I had been scooting around on my butt for like three years because I couldn't kneel. So anyway, on Sunday, I went to church and I went to do my little bunny dip instead of genuflecting to go in the pew. And uh, I I kneeled all the way down to the floor. And I was like, oh. What is that? You know, and then I got into the pew and I was able to kneel, but it, I still had pain. Uh, but three weeks later, no more pain, and I don't have arthritis in my knees anymore. That's so, amazing. I know it, wow. it's really pricey. I mean, it was crazy to buy it. It it really is expensive. Um, but you know what? I I was very fortunate that I wanted it for Ron, so I bought it. You know? oh, I see. So how do yeah. how do the clothes get the ions into them? Do you have to plug them in or something? No, they're um, they're made out of this. Uh, okay, so 
this company in Japan makes um, specialty fabrics. Uh-huh. I mean, they make bulletproof vests. They make stuff that's, you know, expensive. <laughs> yes. And anyway, back in the 30s, actually, they were thinking, wow, negative ions are so good for people. They could really, if we could make a fabric that emits negative ions, we could really help the world. So they were inventing, inventing, inventing. And then in the 40s, when the war broke out, they had to stop their inventing Uh and then um, after they dropped the bombs in Japan, everybody was like either dead or sick from the radioactive fallout. Yeah. So they thought, well, we really need it now. So they kept inventing, inventing. And finally, like in like 1950 or 49 or 50, they um, they they figured it out and they took uh, PVC and they fermented it for nine months. And they added chlorine to it, which has a propensity for an extra negative ion. So voila, they had a stable substance that emits negative ions all the time. And they made threads out of it, and they made fabric out of it, and they gave it to all their friends and relatives, and they put it on, and they got rid of their radioactive fallout from wearing it. Because you have to have it right on your skin. So it's like underwear, right? Okay. And I mean, they have some outer clothing too, which is even more crazy expensive. But anyway, uh, the underwear, I I wear the underwear. Um, And uh, so you wear it right on your skin and the negative ions attract the positive toxins from inside our body out onto the cloth. And you have to wash them. Like every time you wear them, you have to wash them. Oh. And uh, because the fibers get coated with the positive ions the the toxins and then and then uh so you have to wash them to clear the fibers you know okay i see and you can't put them in the dryer because that emits positive ions so you have to hang them out you know um Mm -hmm. but i mean that's what i do and i've been like i think i found out about them in 2005 and um <clears throat> or somewhere around there. I can't, I don't even remember. But um, I've been wearing them all these years. I don't have arthritis anymore. So that's amazing. That, huh? And have you sold them to, to people that have really received positive, positive results? I have, but you know what? You, if you, if somebody is ill and you come at them and say, hey, you need to pay $5,000 to get this stuff, they hate you. Okay. They, yeah. Yeah, they they don't trust you, and and so I mean I tell people about it, um, but um, you know, <laughs> I uh, I'm not a doctor. They don't trust me, so I mean, whatever. I just I just have to give them to God, right. you know. And it, and it's the thing is, all these people are getting themselves cut off at the knees, you know, having new knees, metal knees, and they're kind of walking funny. And I'm thinking I'm better off, even though it's really expensive. So. Well, yeah. Well, it's not cheap to have a knee surgery either, is it? Yeah, but if people have insurance, it's not. Oh, it's a no-brainer. Right. So sure. it's cheaper to have them cut you off at the knees. And uh, but anyway, I I'm fortunate, and I and I'm just glad, and I'll tell people about it. But I'm not gonna be. 
you know, getting the fallout from people that are angry with me for doing that to them. You right, know? sure. Like I say, I don't really like to sell stuff, but mm-hmm. but I'll help people get it. I mean, if you if you sign up, it's cheaper. You get twenty percent off if you sign up. So I signed up so I can help people get it. Oh, I see, I see. Well, back to the Camino. Then you went ahead and you wrote a book called Wisdom on the Camino. What was that like? Was that your first book that you ever wrote? Yes. Oh, my gosh. What was it like to write that book? um, It was such a joy because I had had this wonderful experience. And just remembering everything that happened. I mean, I had to corroborate. You know, I had my um, Pilgrim Passport that I had every day I stayed, they stamp it every day you stay somewhere. So I knew where I'd been. Mm-hmm. And then I had my Facebook entries that I had told my friends what would happen. And then my children, uh, they made me a WhatsApp called Mom's Walkabout Check-In. And so I told them the gory details, actually. And so I put all that in the book. And it, uh, it was just so fun to remember all that stuff and write it. And also... <clears throat> While Ron was sick, I I've had kind of a a rough childhood. I um, you know, um, so I had post traumatic stress disorder, and and so during the time when Ron was ill, I studied online a bunch of enlightened thought leaders and mm-hmm. did a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. And after all that time, I felt like I knew some stuff that I could share with people, and I wanted to write the book about that actually. And then when I went to sit down and write about it, I thought, oh, man, I don't I don't feel good about being teachy. And right. so I remembered that I told people about all those things on the Camino. So I wrote the book about walking the Camino and telling people those things. That's cool. What year did you publish the book? Uh, 2020. Okay. 2020. <laughs> I walked in 2019. And then... Um, and then I wrote the book. It only took me three months to write the book. Not bad. I, I joined the self-publishing school, um, and um, they helped me figure out how to do that. And, you know, you have to get um, an editor. And so the, the editor wrote, read my book, and, and then and I got a um, cover designer. And, you know, and then I uploaded it to Amazon, and that's all you do. It's... Not difficult, but you just got to know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Would you ever write another book? Yeah, I'm writing the second book because I, I, um, in 2021, I walked in Portugal. Oh. So I started at Lisbon and I walked up to Santiago. Oh. And so, um, so my second book is Wisdom on the Camino Santiago. Uh, um, Wisdom on the Camino Portuguese. Yeah. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, I still need to walk the northern route. And so I'll write a book about that, too. So when are you going to do that? Um, I, I figure I'll have my 75th birthday on the Camino del Norte. That's what they call it. And uh, so I'll start in April in um, next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's very adventurous of you to take on those challenges, I would think. Does it does it make you a little bit worried at all or are you just like you just go for it and you're not worried? How do you feel about it? Well, I'm just hoping, you know, God lets me do that 
because um, my so far my health is good. And uh, like every morning I walk to mass, which is uh, a mile to mass and a mile back and I walk up a giant hill. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to keep myself, you know, so I can do stuff. And uh, anyway, God's in charge. That's all I got to say. And and I'm going to I'm going to do it if I can. And I expect that I can. And what else lights you up, Kathleen, in your life besides walking and and writing? Oh, um, well, gee, I just got back from Medjugorje. Have you heard of Medjugorje? No. Yeah. Um, Mary, the mother of God, visited these children in the 1980s. And, um, and so it, it's, um, anyway, if you go there, it's a very holy place. It just, uh, it just touched my heart so much, um, having been able to go there. So it sounds like um, you're doing a fair amount of traveling then. I know people tell me I'm a world traveler and I'm like, well, I guess so. I've been to Bosnia for God's sakes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah. That's <laughs> and pretty impressive. Bosnia um, but, um, I don't know. I just, um, I think God is just leading me around and, and, um, it was such a blessing to have gone there. I, I just got back on the 21st of May, um, from there and I'm just still riding high on the, on the beautiful experience. That's really interesting. Really, really interesting. So I know that you've well, it sounds like you have a website called wisdomonthecamino.com. Isn't that right? Right. And right. that's where you can find out about your book and everything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> just to let you know, um, uh, my friends told me that I should put my pictures in the book. And I thought, well, gee, then the book will be $50 if I do that because I wasn't going to put Coat, um, black and white pictures in there. Sure. So what I did was I created the website, and um, so on the on the page across from the table of contents in my book, it says read this first, and so you you can opt in. You have to double opt in to <clears throat> to my website uh, to see the pictures, and I arranged them according to chapters, so you can like uh, look at the chapter <laughs> look at the pictures for chapter one and read chapter one and and then go to chapter two and i know the pictures are really great um and they helped me write the book so oh that's that, wonderful and were yeah. you always uh really good at technology was this something very comfortable for you well um i have to say that it took me three months to write the book but it took me six months to get that blankety blank website up. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. I I mean, because I got this old mind, but I, I was a graphic designer in my life. Oh, I was going to ask my degree, you. You're a graphic my designer. In, my degree is in graphic design. And so, um, like, I graduated in uh, 1989 from San Diego State University. And um, the first real good. Uh, graphics program was Illustrator 88, and I graduated in 89. So you can tell I was right there at the beginning. Right. And um, so with my degree, I couldn't even get a job because everything had to be computer after 1989, you right. know. And so I had to go. I went to Platt College and got a 
diploma in computer graphic design and then I was able to do it. Okay. So I, I do know, but the thing is, I mean, I, st I used to use Photoshop and all these programs, but now they're so different. Yes. They're, they're just completely different. So you, you kind of got to go to school your whole life if you want to work on computers. Keeps changing. Else. Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't, I wasn't even, I wanted to create my own, um, book cover. I mean, I'm a graphic designer, right? And um, I was not able to do that because uh, because <laughs> because I couldn't even work Photoshop. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting somebody else to do stuff for you. Yeah. As we move on in the in the interview, I want to ask you about the topic of bullying because uh, that's something that I've worked in for a long time. I was a teacher and then I worked in the field of bullying prevention. And I wondered, do you have any kind of story about bullying in your life where mindfulness would have made a difference? I mean, I have a lot of failed bullying experience. Do you? <laughs> that I wasn't into mindfulness at the time. Um but, what do you mean uh, by okay, that? Okay, so I I can think about my son, my son, and yeah. uh, he was the bottom of the pecking order in his class. Okay, it was really sad. Yeah, and and people just used to do stuff to him all the time, just to make his life miserable. And um, so um, I remember one time that there was a bunch of altar boys and. And th this one guy was the the ringleader, right? Mm -hmm. And he got this great idea. Let's let's um, let's tell Peter that we need him to be our to just uh, be an altar boy for us because we can't go. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just pretend like he's full of poo poo, and we didn't ever say that to him. Oh, so. Um, they called Peter and asked him to be an altar boy in the morning. And it was kind of an all honor to do that. And yeah. so Peter asked me and I said, well, he was going to go spend the night at a friend's house that night. I said, well, you can't spend the night at your friend's house, you, you know, if you're going to be an altar boy in the morning. So um, so he said, OK, um, that he would do it for them. He wasn't going to go spend the night. And then he, when he in the morning, when he got over there, they acted like you're crazy. We didn't do that. And, How cruel. and so, and so he came home, he was really sad. He could have spent the night at his friend's house, but he didn't. And, um, so when, when things like that happened to him, I told him, you know what, just imagine being a person who would do that. Yeah. We need to pray for them. Yes. And so we used to pray for his friends who did those things to him. And it wasn't just once. It was, it, it was like every week they wow. did stuff like that to him. Wow, that's awful. And, um, and so uh, we, we prayed for them. And then um, I must say that when he was a teenager, his friends... Oh, and also I called that guy, I called, his name was Mike, and I called him and his mother answered and I said, can I talk to Mike? And she just thought that was kind of strange that Peter's mother would like to talk to Mike. But anyway, so I talked to him and I told him, you know, <clears throat> you made Peter not go to his friend's house and I never want you, I'm not going to tell on you, never do that again. 
it's awful and never do that again. And so, so Mike started being nice to Peter. Oh. And, um, yeah. And it was really sad because this other new kid came in and they started treating him like poo poo um, instead of Peter. And everybody started being nice to Peter, which I, I wasn't okay with them being mean to that other kid. It's just what they did, you know, is I don't know. Um, but anyway, when Peter was a teenager, he didn't drive till he was 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his friends wouldn't go anywhere without him. They would come and pick him up and take him places. Like, it was like we couldn't have fun unless Peter was there. Wow. And it, and it just, you know, it just changed. I just, I think it was the prayer. Kind of turned full circle, didn't it? Yeah. And everybody loves Peter. And, oh my gosh. Um, so now Peter has kids and he's telling his kids to pray for people too. Oh. So that, that makes me feel really good. The thing is, when people are bullies, when people are doing the wrong thing, people are shooting people, you know, whatever people are doing that is the wrong thing, they are acting out their pain. Yes. And we hate them and we don't understand. But you know yeah. what? They're acting out their pain. And so all I know what to do about it is prayer. That's all I know. Because you, um, if we sit here on our haunch, on our, you know, we our high horse or whatever. Yeah. 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 We would never do that. Right. <clears throat> yeah. But and they're they're still in pain. Yes. So it's it's evidence that pain is going on over there. It sure is. And, and so um, that's what I think that's what we need to do. Um, yeah, there's definitely massive amounts of pain in the world. That's for sure. Yeah, all those people. Yeah, they don't understand, and they're in pain. And yeah. um, and if we feel we're the target, we get to we get to help them out. Yeah, and yeah. it's a gift. You know, um, the thing about unconditional love is. You can't even do it unless you have adversity because it's easy to love the people that are nice to us. It, it is. The people that, yeah, the people who are mean to us, that's where you can get unconditional love. And that is the highest vibration in the world is unconditional love. And um, so anyway, it's awful. Bullying is awful. But you know what? It It is... Um, fodder for unconditional love you know yeah you have a lot of wisdom kathleen thanks for sharing all that that was that was a really powerful story that you shared wow uh i want to as we move forward to ask you five quick answer questions kathleen so just 30 second answers are perfect the first one is this who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life you know i I don't know. I think um, some of those songwriters from Mm -hmm. the 60s and 70s, like John Lennon, I mean, brilliant. He was talking about mindfulness. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about your emotions, Kathleen, and how... Mm Do you deal with your emotions differently as a result of mindfulness? 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like I was saying, when I get um, anxiety, mm-hmm. and I'll just be all of a sudden. I mean, I'm laying in bed last night. I was laying in bed. All of a sudden, I was afraid, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Okay, Kathleen, you're not breathing. You're not breathing." Mm-hmm. And I started breathing, and I wasn't afraid anymore, because wow. the thing is that what happens with the not enough breathing is that our brain needs oxygen mm-hmm. and if and if our brain doesn't get the oxygen our brain is like Arr! you know and uh so then all of a sudden we're afraid of everything but actually our brain just needs some oxygen and so then i i just breathe in my belly uh breathe big like breathe in to eight and breathe out to eight like that and all of a sudden, uh, my brain's got enough oxygen and it stops being like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, anxiety disorder is not enough air. That's what it is. It really is, yeah. Well, you've Absolutely. answered my next question already, which was about breathing. So that was great. Yeah, I teach, I teach transformational breathing. Right. And when I was a child, I used to get bronchitis or pneumonia twice a year, every year. On Christmas and my birthday, I was sick. Oh wow! And um, and it was because I I wasn't breathing enough. Right. Because I lived in a toxic environment. It was awful my environment where I grew up. Yeah. And so um. So anyway, when uh, um my my when I was in my I don't know, uh, I think I was in my twenties or thirties, mm-hmm. and my doctor took pity on me and sent me to a breathing clinic uh, because I, I had gotten pneumonia again. And um, after I they did um, breathing associated with um, biofeedback, mm-hmm. you know, you hook yourself up to these things yeah. and you can watch yourself, you know, calm yourself down. It's, it was great. So after I learned that, I was never sick again. Wow. And the, yeah, really. And then... Um, then I uh, I was in a networking group because I was a graphic designer and this person I heard them talking about breathing and I'm like me me and so I went over and um, I went to this um, this um, transformational breathing um, you know uh, event and mm-hmm. um, and then I decided that I wanted to learn to do that so I I went home and I you know Ron doesn't Ron didn't do what I wanted him to do ever. It sounds and, like it. Uh, yeah, he was. He was I a rebel. Know, he was, and um, yeah. So, um, so I went to him, and I kind of bullied him because uh-huh. I said uh, I wanted to do this breathing, and I knew I was going to grow from it, and I didn't want to grow past him. So, would he do it for with me? And. And so um, he said yes. So um, so we learned together the transformation of breathing. So he was a facilitator, and so was I. Isn't that interesting? And, and do you teach it to people online, or is it? Do you only teach it to people locally? I can teach it online. You can. I can, but I usually teach it in person. Oh, I see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the, you can have a Zoom room, and you can teach people sure. to do it. But it's better to do it. Um, per- and really, in, during COVID, I I wasn't afraid of getting COVID because uh, I I take this stuff and it makes you not get it. Okay. But anyway, um, 
so I actually did breathing outside in the backyard under my orange trees uh, for people during COVID. Oh, you did. Wow. I, I did. bet that really helped them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Cool. Well, your book, Wisdom on the Camino, I'm really uh, excited because I'm looking forward to reading it. I have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward. And I love the subtitle, A Spiritual Journey Sharing Forgiveness and Possibilities to Inspire the Rest of Your Life. What a beautiful subtitle that is. So are there any other books you would recommend to our listeners? There's a really good book um, by Ann Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. Um, Gift from the Sea. Is that the one you're yeah, thinking of? Yeah, that's it. Gift right. from the Sea. I thought that was lo- a lovely book. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gift from the Sea, Mindful Tribe. Check that book out. And uh, so, yeah, it's been really, really fun to talk to you, Kathleen. And I, I just think you do have so much wisdom that you shared with us and that you share with the world. So do you have any final words of it? advice or words of wisdom as we wrap up the interview yeah i have this prayer that i say whenever i don't know what to do like Mm -hmm. i can't do it i can't figure this out and um, my prayer that i say is um actually told it to a lady in burgos when she was showing me it how to get to the camino because i got lost and um it is dear god please make everything turn out okay and then you just let God make everything turn out okay. So miracles happen when you say that. And so, you, um, yeah. And then you can follow it up with, thank you, God, for making everything turn out okay. So that's like, you know, possibility thinking. <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah. Turn. Uh, please make everything turn out okay. Yeah. Dear God, please make everything turn out okay. And then miracles happen. That's Maybe. amazing. Thank you. Well, I feel like it's been a miracle for me to meet you and to have you on Mindfulness Mode. So thank you so much. It's been great, Kathleen. I've enjoyed this too. Thank you too. Okay. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed our episode today. And thank you for listening, as always. And do check out Athletic Greens. AG1 is their product. And it is a product that, in my experience, can help you have deeper sleep. In my experience, it can help you have more energy. And uh, if you use this code, you can uh, get five free travel packs with your first purchase athleticgreens.com slash mindfulness so check out athletic greens and till next time take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode